Good morning. Welcome. Let's stand and worship God together. In my wrestling, in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence you won't let go. In the questions your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa. You are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise. You will carry me safe to shore. Safe to shore. God's love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea. You are my light, my lighthouse, my lighthouse. Shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my I will trust the promise You will carry me safe to shore
So glad to have you here today, and aren't you glad the weather's finally changing and things are looking up? Thank you. We're glad you're here today. While you're standing, turn around and greet your neighbor. Let him know you're glad to see him here today.
And a good morning from Kid Street too. All right, fill up the steps a little bit. Come up here. There's an egg up there. You can be by your brothers and sisters too. All right. Well, I hope I've got enough in here. What holiday is coming up soon? Can you tell by our stickers on the steps? All right. Why don't you take one of these and just pass it around while I'm talking, okay? You can pick your favorite color. So yeah, we've got Easter coming up. So think about an egg. What can you do with an egg? Do you ever help mom or dad or grandma and grandpa bake? Yeah? Have you ever made cookies? Yeah? You put eggs and milk and flour and sugar and you make cookies. You can make cakes with it, right? Sometimes I just crack an egg open and fry it in the pan for breakfast, right? You can make pancakes with them. You can do all kinds of things with eggs. Yeah, keep passing the basket. Let everybody take one. Yep, just pass it right on down the line. So if I crack an egg open, is there a baby chicken inside of it? Normally, when I take an egg from the store, do I, get a, do I get a baby chicken inside of it? It's just a yolk, right? Yeah, but if it gets fertilized, right, it can hatch. So listen to Pastor Kevin's message today. He's talking about how we are changed. You see what's on your egg? What's on the outside of your egg? What does that look like? Yeah, it's a cross, right? So let this egg remind you that when we let Jesus into our hearts, that he changes us from the inside out. We are changed forever because he lives with us. We have his love in us, right? So just like an egg can change into breakfast or dessert or a baby chick, right? We are changed because we have God's love in us, okay? All right. And then for the congregation, we are starting to help the Easter Bunny out by filling up some eggs for our egg hunt. We'll have that on Saturday uh, the day before Easter, April 3rd at noon, here at the church on the grounds, uh, socially distanced, of course. So if you would help us, uh, help the Easter Bunny out by filling those up, you can grab a, a bag by the Visitor Center, okay? Thank you. All right, it's good to see you all. Let's pray and then worship the Lord together. Dear God, we are thankful for your Son, for the love we have within us that can change us. Help us spread that love to those around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of you know that this is a special day in the life of this church. We celebrate Nate Dean's, come up here, 10-year anniversary with us. He has been here for more than 10 years. I remember your first Sunday, and so do you. We still make fun of him for this because he was all big and bold, and he did this with his hands, and we just love you for that. <laughs> But Nate's been here for 10 years, and so we have a plaque and other things, and I want to read this to you. 
As pastor of First Baptist Church Independence, I extend the highest level of appreciation on behalf of myself and our congregation to Nathan Dean. No one ever calls you Nathan, though, do they? This award is presented on behalf of First Baptist Church Independence family for 10 years of faithful service in the area of worship and music ministry. You have entertained us, blessed us, and led us in a meaningful and heartfelt way, and for that we are truly thankful. We appreciate your positive and enthusiastic spirit and for the ways in which you lead to focus us, our thoughts on the God whom we worship. And most of all, Nate, we just love you and thank you and thank God for you and thank God for your continued leadership in our church. So keep this plaque, put it somewhere where you can see it once in a while. Don't let your kids play with it, just keep it. And we have a gift from our church, it's a gift certificate. I was gonna buy you something, but. I don't know what you want, but you do. And so we've given him that. And then we have a gift of cards and other, uh, other gifts from you. And if you have your card in you or want to give it to him later, just get him to him later. That'll be all right. Give him a round of applause if you would. Let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving for this man. Father, we thank you for this good guy who loves us and loves you and leads us. We enjoy his presence and his gifts, and you have gifted us in his presence and gifts. Thank you, Father, for Nate. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. One story, you can go compose yourself before you lead some more music, Nate. You may not remember this, but several years ago, and we've watched, grown his kids, watched his kids grow up. Several years ago, there was a, a homeless gentleman who came, came in off the street, and he was causing all sorts of problems, and he was yelling and screaming and walking on top of the pews. You don't remember this probably, but I do, because everybody was sit there just terrified of what this wild guy was going to do. And he did his thing, and then he just ran out of the building, and in stunned silence, we sat there, not knowing what to do. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's the transition here? And at that time, Hazel had broken out of the nursery and ran down the aisle going, Daddy, Daddy, and everybody laughed, and life was good. And that'll be one of my favorite memories from ministry. Thank you, Nate, for leading us. Let's continue. Uh, well, I am completely honored and, and blessed. Um, you know, us musicians are emotional people, so th this, is, this is not quite right to have to sing after that. I wanted to give out some thanks, just really quick, and not to belabor anything. Thank, thank you to God, who's, who's given us so many gifts here. Thank you to Kevin and the deacons. Thank you to Brian and Michelle. Thank you to my beautiful family. And thank you to this church. It's meant so much to me. It means so much to me. Thank you. All right, with that said, let's stand together and continue to sing and worship and give praise for all the gifts we have. Oh, Jesus, we need you. 
Thank you, Nate, Michelle, Brian. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Continuing in our series, Make Time for Jesus. He is worthy. And we're busy. We choose what we do with our time. I've observed in my own life that I don't make a choice about what to do with my time. You know what I do? Nothing. I sit. Or my wife makes fun of me because I go out in our garage. It's all the stuff we have. And I just stand around and, and dink and piddle and don't do anything. And I do dink and piddling for hours and get nothing done. Jesus is worth more than doing nothing, isn't he? Make time for Jesus. So we'll be talking about that today. John chapter 14, talking about the way God is in our midst and he is moving. And when we pay attention and make time, we will see God at work in our lives. John chapter 14. As always, we pray. Pray for our nation. Those that are in power making decisions that affect our lives, pray for wisdom for them, for restraint and discernment. Power has a way of consuming people and making them do dumb things. So pray that those with power would not allow it to consume them. Pray that those without power, and that's us, by the way, that we would assert power over our own lives, regardless of what others do, that we would choose to follow Jesus. I'll give you a few moments of silent prayer. I'll close, and then we'll look at this passage together. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we thank you for your presence today and for this life you've given us, for bringing good people into our midst, like Nate and Dave and Russell and so many others. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for this life we have in Jesus, for this faith that guides and directs us, that changes us, that saves us. Thank you. Father, we thank you for this great nation for the way you've worked on our history, we are far from perfect, and yet we are blessed. We recognize that. Thank you, Father. Every good thing is gift from you. Thank you. This morning we come to you knowing that many struggle. We pray for them. Some have been injured recently. Others have had surgery. Still others face difficult circumstances. Help them in their recovery. Give them hope. We pray, Father, if there is a way that we can help, help us to step up. We pray for those in our nation that have power, that they would be given wisdom and discernment. We pray, Father, that as a people we could stand together. Help us as we fight this pandemic and the coronavirus. Give us wisdom and self-control. We pray, Father, that the silliness and the lunacy that is so common in our culture would be quelled by clear thought, a serious approach towards life, a recognition that this life is gift to be lived well and protected. We pray as always for our first responders, our soldiers, 
those in the medical professions. In these times, they are particularly at risk. Protect them. Use them as only you can, Father. And Father, we ask for mercy. As always, we recognize our sin, our shortcomings, our apathy. Forgive us, Father. Change us and use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can, think of that one teacher that changed you. Someone that had the role of teacher or the title of teacher. Maybe a parent. Maybe someone you work with that, that was your mentor. For me, it is distinctly two professors. I was one of those know-it-all preachers you've seen on TV. And I knew everything when I was, oh, by the time I was 19, I was omniscient in my own world. And I really believed I knew everything. And I took that methodology and approach towards everything to college and seminary. It caused me great difficulty, believe me. People argued with me trying to straighten me out. And I was, well, I just knew everything. So I didn't need what they had to say. But I got into grad school, and these two professors took it upon themselves to have the audacity to be good teachers. They did not argue with me. I remember distinctly one day I argued with this professor. He was a great guy, very gracious. And I gave him my wisdom. He goes, and he did this. I remember this. For the longest time, and I, I'm afraid to know what he was thinking. But instead he said... And this was in the final year of Hebrew, so we could translate the old text. He goes, okay, Kevin. He called me Mr. Payne. Mr. Payne. And this was in front of my whole class. And I didn't even know enough to be embarrassed. He goes, let's just see if what you said is right. And so he went through this long and very tedious process. It took several minutes. I'm not going to detail it here. I'm too embarrassed, actually. After this long, tedious process, he goes, okay, Mr. Payne. And this is after a Q&A of quite a bit. He said, after we've talked about this, is do you still want to stand by what you said? And I looked around and I thought, oh my gosh. And I said, well, no, I was wrong. He goes, okay. And then he said something very simple. And again, this was a Bible interpretation class studying Hebrew. And uh, he said, what you have to learn to do, and then he expanded it to everybody. He said, what you have to learn to do is lay aside what you think you know and let the Scriptures speak. I had never thought about that before because I just knew everything. And almost every day when I read Scripture, I think of that man, Thomas Smothers, and what he said and how he said it. He didn't argue with me. He didn't try to embarrass me. He just taught me. Not just with facts, but with a way to think. That's what good teachers do. Think about it. Any teacher can stand up and puke out information. We've had those guys, haven't we? They just get up and spew stuff, and you're droning through, and you're going, ah. We've had those guys and gals. But then there is that one teacher, pastor, parent, who instead gives you information and later in the process teaches you how to think and change. And that person is the one who changes your life, isn't it? Good teachers come and go. Not many of them. 
In some way, that's just a, a little bit of an idea of what Jesus intends to be in our life. Not just teacher. He gives us stuff, gives us information. He was rightly called rabbi, which is an old word for teacher. He was teacher in terms of giving information. But he was more than that. He was one who wanted to get into our head and change us and shape us. Not only teach us stuff, but teach us how to think and, and how to do and how to be. Today, when we look at this passage in John chapter 14, kind of a long passage, verses 15 to 23, Jesus was making a connection, not just between teaching information, but by beginning to think and follow and allow him to get into our head. Follow along with me, if you would. John 14, I'll read verses 15 through 23. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me, because I live, you shall live also. In that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, when has that happened? You are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world. Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. So Jesus, in the middle of a long sermon towards the end of his ministry, gave these ideas of how he was going to be teacher but also how he's going to influence us and change us. And he starts talking about both word and spirit. So when we talk about making time for Jesus, we have to make time not only to allow Jesus to teach us, that's the hard work of Bible study, but also to influence us, allowing the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit to change us. And Jesus teaches us here that God is active to both teach and guide us in our lives of faith. Like I said, Long sermon, one of Jesus' longest sermons, except for the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, he connected some things. He was getting down to the nitty-gritty because he was towards the end of his ministry here, and he wanted his disciples to get it. He was, well, he was like I was in grad school. I hadn't gotten it yet. And Jesus wanted his followers to get it. So in this passage, in three different places, he ties together Scripture and study of Scripture, and obedience to Scripture, and the moving in the Spirit. So if you would, look at verses 15 and 16 again. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's Scripture, Jesus' commandments, and following them. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. In the process of your life of faith, studying Scripture, the Holy Spirit works. That's what Jesus is saying. Remember, you receive the Holy Spirit when you receive Jesus as Savior. So you don't have to be perfect or obedient to get the Spirit. But only in your obedience to Scripture is the Holy Spirit allowed to work. I drop down to verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Again, there's that 
He who has my commandments and keeps them, Scripture, allowing God to teach you, and then the Holy Spirit begins to move and comes in your life and changes you. There's that process, obedience to Scripture and openness to the, to the movement of the Spirit. And then look at verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. See, there it is again. So three times in one sermon, Jesus says essentially the same thing. Follow my teachings, Scripture, and in that process of following Scripture, the Holy Spirit will begin to work in your life. And not only will you have learned factual information, which is always important, but you will begin to be changed by the influence of Rabbi Jesus, that good teacher. The Holy Spirit comes, but not everybody lets him work. There are many Christians who refuse to hear Scripture. Those that are obedient to Scripture, though, will be open to the moving of the Spirit. And one aside here, I don't want to spend too long on this. Scripture is the words of Jesus, the words of God. Jesus' words are the words of God. We know that. Sometimes people will make the error of thinking, well, I'm going to follow just the red words in the Bible. You know, the red words are the words of Jesus, so most interpreters would say. And everything else, the words of Paul and all those, they aren't that important. And nothing could be further from the truth. When Jesus talks about his commandments and the word of God, we are talking about Scripture. So when I look at Scripture, I don't look at some words of Paul and some words of Jesus and some words of somebody else. I look at the word of God. It's all the same. No passage of Scripture has more authority than another passage of Scripture. It's all the same. Some may seem to be more relevant to you right now, but that doesn't mean it isn't all God's eternal Word. Just keep that in mind, because sometimes people will divide up Scripture, typically by what they want to hear and what they don't want to hear. Christians do not have the luxury of ignoring certain parts of Scripture. It's all the Word of God. Hear God's word. So on screen is this idea of some things that God teaches us. Salvation and spirituality. Scriptures teach you how to be saved. Scriptures teach you that you need to be saved. When someone says, why do you say I need to be saved? You say, because God's word says. And that's a valid argument, guys. That is acceptable to say that. Preachers have been saying that for centuries. It's true. And that doesn't mean everybody's going to listen to it. But it is valid to say, this is what scriptures teach. Scriptures teach us that without Jesus, we're separated from our sin, from God by our sin. And the only way of the cleansing is through Jesus and his shed blood on the cross. That's biblical teaching. The biblical teaching is when you receive Jesus as Savior, you are cleansed and forgiven. You've received the Holy Spirit, and God begins to work within you. And then a life of righteousness, this is not only the don'ts, you know, we all get the don'ts. But it's also the do's. How do you live a righteous life? It's a life of grace. A life of forgiveness. A life of justice. Kind of a buzzword in our culture. One of the failings of our culture is we have failed to take biblical teaching seriously. And that's a tragedy because so many of the problems that we have today have come as a direct result of Christians not applying justice and righteousness to their lives. You know what righteousness is? You know what justice is? Here is the hard thing. Treating everybody as equals. That is one of the most radical teachings of Scripture that we have rejected historically. Because we don't really believe that everybody is equal. But that is the biblical teaching. 
And that's something that Jesus did. He didn't talk a lot about treating people equally. But you know what he did? He treated people equally. Women, Samaritans, people from other cultures, different colors. He didn't care. You know how he treated them? With courtesy and respect and justice. That's a life of righteousness. It's not hard to understand. Hard to do. Because it challenges us where we are. So God's Word teaches us in so many ways. And on the next film, we can see the idea that God's Word in His Spirit enables us. This is what you get when you receive the Holy Spirit. A comforting presence in the waiting room of a hospital. God's Spirit can give you comfort. I have heard multiple stories over 40 years of ministry of people telling me that they were in a terrible situation, tragedy, crisis, whatever, and they prayed to God, and they, and they without fail, say this. It doesn't make any sense, but all of a sudden, I knew things were going to be all right. And things all right doesn't always mean it works out like you want. They just knew that they were going to be fine. That's God's comforting presence. When you're afraid, when you're alone, God is with you. And the other idea is a helper in all things. Do you know that the Holy Spirit can help you learn new things? The Holy Spirit can, get this, the Holy Spirit can help you stop talking. That's a big one. The Holy Spirit can help you control the way you express your emotions. The Holy Spirit can help you in the way you allow your emotions to build up within you. Those things are subject to the control of the Spirit, if you so choose. The fruits of the Spirit says one of them is the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So if you have a trouble with that, with your mouth or with your temper or with your fears, the Holy Spirit can help you with those things. That's how He helps you. That's how He comforts you. That's how He helps you to live your best life. And on screen is this whole idea. God is at work in our lives when we pay attention. And even when we don't, through His Spirit and His Word, He is continually working both in us and through us. So if you're wondering why you don't feel some of these things, it might be because you're not taking Scripture seriously. You're not living according to His commandments. And that doesn't mean you're living a horrible life. You're just doing nothing, essentially, spiritually. Coming to church is a good thing. Staying awake during a sermon is a good thing. But it may take more than that. You know, sometimes we reduce it to the bare minimum. And that's not always what God wants. God wants more than the bare minimum. Because of these things, there's reason for hope. On screen is this idea. Here's the best one. God's plan for us is a life of blessing. God intends to bless us in this life. Maybe not financially or even with health, but with quality of life. On screen, this next idea, God blesses us by teaching eternal truths and calling us to live our best lives. Our best lives are lived according to God's teachings and guidance. You cannot do better than that. Whatever it is, that is always the best thing for you. And that other idea, God blesses us by always being with us and helping us in all things. You will never be alone, no matter what. No matter where, no matter who, that is a life of blessing. It may not be the life that you want, 
you know, we, we tend to interpret Scripture in light of our culture. We think we're happy if we get everything we want and our, our IRAs and all those things are doing fine. And those things are almost irrelevant in the big picture. There are people on this earth who are living lives of wealth and blessing and they have nothing. fact is, that is the norm for Christians. God can give you that life. It doesn't mean He's going to take away your stuff, but the joy that gives life meaning can be yours by following Jesus. On screen is a final passage. Read this with me if you would. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Jesus knew that we would have troubles in this life, that there would be high points and low points. That's just life. But he intended for us to live with the consciousness that he is with us, teaching us, and showing us how we can live, thus living a life that's worth living. He knew that we would forget. So he said, when you get together and eat, just assuming that you would do that, when you get together and eat, remember, the bread that you eat symbolizes my flesh. The wine that you drink symbolizes my blood, calling to the birth of the Christian faith in his death and resurrection. You see, we're Christians not because we're good people, but because we follow Jesus. Jesus says, don't forget that. I'm going to ask that the deacons come forward and get in their place as we prepare to share communion today. Because of the pandemic and all that, just so you'll know, many of you know this, we have these cups with the lids and all that, and you'll see as soon as you have it, it takes a little bit of work. But what we're going to do, why don't you stand with me as they're getting in place. As the music plays after the prayer, you'll come down and the deacons will hold the tray out and they will allow you to pick up a cup and you'll go back to your seat and start peeling those lids. And then when everybody's in their place, we'll go through the meal, all right? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for your presence, for this meal which challenges us and reminds us of the life that we have in Jesus. Use it, Father, to nurture us in the faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you follow Jesus as Savior, we invite you to join us. Would you come forward, please? So Paul tells us the story. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He continues the story. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he explained, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We follow Jesus. We are Christians because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The meal is one of those things. It's teachable facts. But it influences us.
It shows us that we are more than just nice people. We're people who follow resurrected Jesus. And hopefully our lives will be different because of that. Let me challenge you. Follow Jesus. Make those decisions that you need to make that will allow him to have more influence in your life. If you need to make those decisions public, you can if you'd come forward. Nate, would you come and lead us? Let's stand and sing together. Mike comes and leads us in closing prayer. Diane, would you come up here? This is Diane Hammond. She's been here for several, for some time. Many of you know her. She's been, she always sits over there. I take role by that. But anyway, she has come, wanted to move her fellowship into this congregation. She was baptized 60 years ago, like so many of us. And that, you know, we are of that age, some of us. And so it's a big deal. And she wants to be a part of our fellowship. If you affirm her step to become a part of the fellowship, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Glad to have you here, Diana. Yeah, and over there. And if you want to, you're comfortable. You can come and shake her hand. Just stand over there, Diana, and uh, let her know you're glad to have her here. Eventually, we'll be able to do this without masks and shake hands and hug and slobber like we used to. But right now, we'll try to be as appropriate and healthy as we can. All right, Mike, would you come and lead us in closing prayer? Uh, before I get started, we have a few people in our church family at need prayer. Uh, I think uh, Mike Hart was one of them, and uh, we need to keep praying for Nick, that he's doing a great job of recovering. So pray with me, please. And be with us now, Father, as we go, and help us this week to do a good deed for someone else, and help to do it in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.
Sound and music was appropriate on the day. I mean.